everyone. I'm Issa Rae, and this is Historically Black, a production of APM Reports and The Washington Post. This fall, the Smithsonian's National Museum of African American History and Culture opened, which is a big deal. In covering the opening, the Washington Post invited folks across the country to submit objects from their own lives that represent their personal and family connection to Black history. Each week, this podcast features one of those objects and the stories behind it. Hello, my name is Raphael Sears, and I submitted a MP3 of my great-great-grandfather, Bill Driver, from a recording in the 1940s. Bill Driver was a fiddler in the rural part of Missouri. He played all kinds of instruments. He played the piano, he played the guitar, but he was known for his fiddle playing. Raphael Sears is a professional actor and singer, and he's getting his Master of Fine Arts at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. He's 35 years old, and Raphael has a big extended family that holds semi-annual reunions in Jefferson City, Missouri not far from where Bill Driver spent much of his life. Growing up, Raphael didn't really know anything about his great-great-grandfather. He was only a boy when he went to his last Driver family reunion. But after Raphael's mother died in 2008, he wanted to learn more about his family's history and where he came from. I wanted to figure out who I was. And so I went on Ancestry.com, and I did their free trial. And I, I was on there until, like, the next morning, like I remember the sun coming up and and I just found all these census reports on my grandfather. And so then that led to his mother, which led to William Driver. So I, I went and talked to my Aunt Darlene about Bill and she showed me all these records and I got really excited about him. I was like, oh, he was a musician too. This is so cool. Everyone in the family calls on Raphael's great-aunt, Darlene, when they need info on their ancestry. She's the designated family historian. Darlene, whose last name is Goldston, has spent years tracking down information. Bill Driver was her grandfather, and she knows a lot about him. Bill Driver was a farmer. Uh, That was his profession, but he played several musical instruments. And as I was growing up, we he played the, he called it the piano instead of the piano, uh, the harmonica, the guitar, the fiddle. He just, anything he picked up, he could play. Darlene told Raphael everything she knew about Bill Driver. Then Raphael did his own digging. And so I went back to the computer and I said, let me just Google his name. And I stumbled upon this forum called Fiddle Hangout, and um, they had a thread talking about Bill Driver. And so I was like, let me just check this out to see if they're talking about the same person. And then they started talking about Iberia Breakdown, which is one of his songs. And I, I was just really excited to know that, that people were talking about him. I mean, they were talking about his technique, and now have you heard this, and have you heard that? And I remember when he was here, and I remember seeing him when he was, the, you know... 
that was kind of like my introduction to Bill Driver, was just Googling him, basically. <laughs> so, and so the first time, I remember sitting in my room, and I pressed play, and I felt like I was hearing and seeing a ghost. That ghost, Bill Driver, lived in central Missouri, a region of farms, rolling hills, and woodlands. Bill Driver's father was a Baptist minister who also played music. Sometime in the early 1900s, Bill Driver met a woman named Violet May Williams. They married and lived on a farm near the town of Iberia, where they raised eight children. Iberia was predominantly white, and while Missouri had harsh segregation laws and customs, Darlene Goldson says the Driver family enjoyed easy relations with whites in their community. They all loved my grandfather and and my mom and the whole family back then because there were so few blacks. I think they, they were just neighbors. The neighborly relations did not mean the Drivers were completely spared racial prejudice, but we'll get to that later in the story. What it did mean was that in central Missouri, at the turn of the 20th century, whites and blacks sometimes mixed freely at social gatherings. This was especially true at events where Bill Driver ruled the dance floor with his fiddle. He always played at the the dances. He played the kind of music that they could dance to. I mean, that's just rock-solid rhythm, which is the hallmark of a successful and seasoned dance fiddler. Howard Marshall is a retired university professor and a longtime Missouri fiddle player. He wrote the book, Play Me Something Quick and Devilish, about the history of fiddle playing in Missouri. And if you don't have that rhythm and that ability, you won't be invited back to play the next dance. They'll find somebody else. To understand Bill Driver's status as a black musician, you need to know more about the role fiddlers played in Missouri in his day. Howard Marshall says Missouri was, and still is, a big fiddling state. In the 1800s, Missouri was also the gateway for people heading west to seek their fortunes. It's the state where the great trails to Oregon and California began. Missouri all the way through, you know, uh, the 1800s, well into the 1900s, is is the place people are moving to, called a jumping off place, you know, get off the boat, get off the trail, you stay, and then the next generation may go further west. Many of the people who jumped off in Missouri had a fiddle in hand. The fiddle was easy to carry in a gunny sack, and back then it was the most popular instrument in the United States. Howard Marshall says the fiddle's historic popularity is something of a paradox because it's really hard to play. But yet it captured people's minds in such a way that every, just every town had fiddlers. Every family had somebody who could play a little bit of fiddle music. It's astonishing how widespread that skill was. In fact, Bill Driver's father played the fiddle and taught his son some tunes. No one is sure whether Driver had any formal training, but what people do know is that Bill Driver was a fiddle-playing sensation in central Missouri. He played live on radio station WOS in Jefferson City, the state capital. At night, the station signal was so powerful that Driver's fiddle could be heard from Canada to Cuba. Bill Driver was also a serious contender in Missouri fiddle contests. 
Here's Driver's rendition of a classic tune, Red Wing. One of the most common tunes on the earth is Red Wing now, but nobody plays it like Bill Driver played. That was 1948 or something. And with a piano backup, that's how it sounded in 1898, right there. You know, that's just incredible. I'm thinking in a contest, you play something right in the strike zone that the judges are going to say, oh yeah, there's, there it is. And, but, and then they play Red Wing, and then the judges would think, hey, that's Red Wing, but he's got a little something different in there, a little of his own sauce, you know, and that really makes the tune. That special sauce, Howard Marshall says, involved playing with a heavy bow and using a type of sawing action at the low end, while playing a melody at the high end that kind of soars and wanders almost like a sailor's hornpipe. It was a recipe that enabled Driver to win money at fiddle competitions. Um, This was the receipt for my grandfather, uh, where he played at one of his functions. Back at Darlene Goldson's place, she and her son Russ pour over family artifacts that show Bill Driver's success as a fiddle player. You can see where this $10 was the cash. Wow. Okay, well, basically this is an ad from the Cave Lodge um, in Crocker, Missouri, February 10th, let's see, February 10th, 28. And it's just a um, certified that he was a, uh, that he won a fiddler contest and that he was paid $10 cash for his prize. $10 in 1928 is worth $140 today. A good bit of side money for a black farmer raising a family in rural Missouri. That same year, 1928, is when Bill Driver also met the man who made it possible for us to hear his music today. Hello, everybody. This is Bill Driver playing the fiddle and Bob Christian playing the piano. We're down here in Missouri. And uh, we're going to dedicate this first number to Bill's daughter, Blanche McKenzie. What are you going to play first, Bill? Grand Hornpipe. <laughs> Bob Christensen was a white man from central Missouri. He worked for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, but his passion was old-time fiddle music. In the mid-1940s, Christensen realized that no one was preserving the fiddle songs he grew up listening to and playing. So in 1948, he bought a wire recording machine. The first person he chose to record was Bill Driver. In this clip, Christensen points out that he and Driver had just played the wrong song. That is awful good, Bill. That sounded like Marmaduke's hornpipe. I got my wires crossed. Well, let's play them. Uh, what was the one you said you were going to play? Durand. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Bill Driver had a huge repertoire of songs. Bob Christensen recorded as many of them as he could. Christensen recorded and transcribed the music of old-time fiddlers across a dozen states. In 1973, he published the first of two anthologies of traditional fiddle music. Those books helped kick off a revival of old-time fiddle playing. Bill Driver's music is well represented. Driver's fiddle music won him many admirers, black and white. 
But back in the early 1900s, music couldn't protect him from the rough realities of racial segregation in Missouri. For that story, let's return to Darlene Goldson and her son Russ as they leaf through a big red binder of family photos and papers. And this was a letter that was sent giving them permission to give my grandfather and my grandmother a marriage license. When Bill Driver and Violet Mae Williams decided to marry in 1907, they faced an obstacle. Well, as you can see, my grandmother, she was actually half black and half white. Her father was white. And they had to get permission because they weren't sure that she was colored. Interracial marriage was illegal in Missouri, as it was in 25 other states. Violet, Darlene's grandmother, looked like a white woman. So Bill Driver and his fiance needed help from the local justice of the peace. Russ, can you, can you read it then? Ooh, let's see. Russ leans in to make out the letter this man wrote to a local attorney. Dear sir, will you kindly send me marriage license for William A. Drivers of Laclede County, who is 25 years of age, and Violet Williams of Iberia, Missouri, who was 20 years of age. Um, these parties are all colored, and I know that they are all right. And they're, yeah. <laughs> At least they know they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> the story behind Violet May Driver's mixed racial background might be lost today, but for a small rough-hewn cabin at a historical museum near the town of Iberia, Missouri. Darlene explains that Violet's mother, a woman named Esther, lived on the property of a white family, the Williams family, who had once enslaved her. She had her own little cabin that set off from the main house, and she continued to work for them. So one of the sons, she and one of the sons sort of had a little whatever, and she got pregnant. That white son was named Ben Williams. Esther gave birth to their baby in 1886 and named her Violet. When the Williams family saw Violet's light skin, they figured out what happened and forced her to leave. Esther moved to town with baby Violet and eventually married. Darlene says she learned most of this story from white descendants of the Williams family who reached out to their black relatives some years ago. It was the Williams family who donated Esther's old cabin to the Historical Society. I'm in touch with most of them, and they've just, they've given me all of this information that I've got back here. I've got pictures. This is the, the, the cabin, cabin was that was uh, so my, my, where my grandmother was born. We were curious to see this cabin and explore the area where Bill and Violet Driver made a life together. So our producers set out with another Driver descendant, Annette Driver, who lives in nearby Jefferson City. Annette is in her mid-50s and runs a business selling her family's barbecue sauce. The Miller Historical Society, now home to the cabin, is an easy drive from Jefferson City. Annette is greeted by a longtime official of the museum. I'm Carl McDonald. I've been with the museum and society for several, several years and had different uh, parts in it. This cabin Carl here. walks Annette over to the cabin, then asks our producers to turn off their audio recorder. Excuse me, turn that off for a minute, will you please? Yeah. Carl says the conversation is going to be about slavery, which makes him uncomfortable. He's concerned about how all this will sound on tape. Annette offers some reassurance. But you know what? I really want truth. 
truth is history, I really don't mind you telling the truth. Well, I this is a very hard thing to talk about, even at the very best, slavery and what have you. And it's history. Yes. It's the way it was, the way it was, but a lot of people don't understand history can't be done anything about, but maybe we could understand some of it. Yes, and, I, I, and, and that's what I think can come from this truth, because here we are, and I was explaining uh, that even today, we enjoy a very honorable connection with the Williams family and the descendants of the Williams family. So I don't mind you speaking truth. Uh, speak your truth. Yeah. As long as nobody's gonna beat you up after we leave for for saying it, you you have my I'm, you you have. I may get fired from the board. I don't think See? so. I I don't think so. Annette goes to open the door of the cabin, while Darlene and many other family members have made this visit. For Annette, it's the first time. Push okay. Now now you I have, have to lift up. And what am I going to be looking at? This is amazing. You're going to be looking at the inside. The main thing, I want you to look at this door thing first. The history on this door. Annette reads that history out loud. When John Williams Jr. came to Miller County from Kentucky around 1859, he brought with him a young slave girl named Esther. This log cabin was her home. In 1886, Esther bore a child by John's grandson, Ben and the child was named Violet May. Annette takes note of different details of the home. A few dishes, a wood stove, one window. It's quite humbling to look at this. A little bit emotional. Bill Driver, Violet May's husband, is likely one of the more historically significant people to have lived in Miller County. But inside the History Museum, there's no sign of him. No picture of him on the wall alongside the notable white musicians from the county. Annette Driver thinks that this is merely an oversight. She plans to send materials that can be put on display. Stepping back outside, she's grateful to have tangible connections to her family's history. Like the cabin where her great-grandmother was born, and the music her great-grandfather, Bill Driver, left behind. We're very lucky that there's something here to document their existence and their mark on society that left like, you know, I mean, they still talk about his music today. So to me, that brings a lot of, that tells me a little something about what's in me. Bill Driver died in 1986. He was 104 years old. Driver was blind for the last 30 years of his life. He was eventually confined to a bed but as Darlene and Russ Goldston remember, he kept playing music to the end. And he would sing, he would do the whole... Yeah, he'd sing. Sing and then play, play the harmonica and, and play the guitar. I mean, he, he could put on a whole show straight bedridden in the bed. It was an amazing spirit. That spirit is what caught Raphael Sears, Bill Driver's great-great-grandson. He's a fellow who sent us the recording of Driver's fiddle playing. When Raphael listened to his ancestors' music for the first time, he says he knew his own self a bit better. 
I don't even know how to how to describe it, but in some kind of way, I felt like I was gaining a part of myself. I don't know. It was like once I listened to that, like I was walking a little bit more upright and, you know, and, and just knowing that I was destined to be a performer and knowing that this kind of talent is in my blood just gave me some sense of pride. And I, I even find it today, you know, with music and with acting, it has been my way of finding my own freedom in a world that still says that I'm not good enough. In a world that says that I have to go outside and I have to worry about wearing a hoodie at night. Should I not wear a hoodie so I won't seem threatening? So in some kind of way, even with my great-great-grandfather, music was a way of freedom when, you know, the world was a bit behind. It's, I think it's really cool that I get to, we get to, you know, share Bill to the world. I think that's really cool. I think he'd get a kick out of this too. I think he would. Yeah. That's all for now, folks. You've been listening to Historically Black a podcast collaboration of APM Reports and The Washington Post. It was produced by Kate Ellis and Stephen Smith and edited by Julia Barton. We had production help from Kai Thomas, Mitch Hanley, Ryan Katz, and Larissa Anderson. The Washington Post staff includes Julia Carpenter, Veronica Tony, Jessica Stahl, and Tanya Sikshinsky. Our theme music is by X144. If you want to contribute to our online museum of objects from African-American history, go to WashingtonPost.com slash historicallyblack. We'll be back next week. I'm Issa Rae.